November 10th, 2022. We're in Masechet Berachot, continuing in our Limud. We're on Dafzayin Amudbet at the very top of the page. And the Gemara, where it had been citing Rabbi Yohanan, the name of Rabbi Yoseh, now we'll have many successive statements of Rabbi Yohanan, the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, which means to say that many of these statements, if not all of them, will have nothing uh, thematically connecting one to the other, but they will be the same names, the same um, uh, remembrances of Rabbi Yohanan, the name of his one of his rabbis, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. When the Gemara does this, is it going to now list every time he ever quoted him, or just a few examples and then go back to it? I think just a few examples. In other words, you'll find elsewhere in, in Talmud statements of Rabbi Yohanan, the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, that are not here. But there are many successive statements, one after another. Says the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Yohanan, Mishum Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, Miyom, Shebara HaKadosh Baruch Hu Ta'olam, Statement here of Yohanan name Bishmon Ben Yochai is that from the day of creation until Avraham Avinu, there was no person who referred to Akadosh Baruch Hu as Adon. Until Abraham, at the time of Berit ben Abetarim, when he turns to God and says, Amonai Elohim, of course, Aleph, Dalet, Non, Yod, Bamayadaki, Rashena, of course, a question about the zechut, the merit, the capability of inheriting Eretz Yisrael. And we'll just uh, take a note for a moment at Rashi, take a look at Rashi. Adonai Elohim, Rashi writes, Katuv Be'alef Dalet. That's very important. Rashi is already telling us is the diuk here in the Gemara is from the fact that the Pasuk says Aleph Dalid Non Yod as that name of God. Before understanding the purpose of this, the statement is specifically the way it's written in the Torah is reflective of something about the nature of that name. Although we had earlier with Noah, for example, a reference to Akadosh Baruch Hu as Amonai, it wasn't in that context written as Aleph Dalid Non Yod, it was rather as Yod Ke as a result, the diuk here in the Gemara is the Aleph Dalid Non Yod. This uh, Tosafot points out further. Now, Tosafot does point out uh, as well and questions that there's a pasuk a little bit before this in which Abraham as well refers to Akadosh Baruch Hu as, uh, as Aleph Dalid Non Yod. If you take a look here at Tosafot on the right hand side, so Tosafot says in the third line, Vim Tomar. Amai, well, again, Tosafot at the beginning cites that pasuk that I was mentioning earlier, Baruch Hashem Elokeh Shem. Of course, that's a reference of Noah at the end of Parashat Noah. And so Tosafot, just like Rashi, explains that we're referring specifically to the name of God when spelled Aleph Dalid Non Yod, as opposed to Yod Ke Vavke, which we might refer to and read as Hashem, as Amonai. Vim Tomar as Tosafot, Amailo Maite Kera. Uh, uh, Why doesn't the Pasuk, which is mentioned earlier in the Torah, the Pasuk earlier in the Torah has, That's in Bereshit Perek Tetvav Pasuk Bet, whereas this Pasuk that we're referring to of, Adonai Elohim Bamaidaki Rashena, is in Perek Tetvav 
pasuk het, it's six sentences earlier. Why does our Gemara cite one pasuk instead of the other? Interestingly, and with some intricate and elaborate details, Tosafot suggests that that conversation between Abraham and Akadosh Baruch Hu in Muqtam Mehaba Torah actually took place after Birit Ben Abitarim, which is fascinating in terms of understanding Parashat Lech Lecha chronologically, Tosafot. Um, not manipulates, but seems to give us a different vision of the order of Pesukim and sequence of events. Okay, but that being the case, I bring you back now that we dealt with much of the uh, technical details to the statement here in the Gemara of until Abraham Avinu, there was no human being. The Torah is teaching us who referred to God as Aleph Dalet Non Yod, who referred to him as an Adon. Instead, they were referring to him differently. We've noticed and we've pointed out, Yodke Vavke, of course, that other name of God was referred to uh, with regards to God earlier. What's the difference between those two? What's the significance of this? Many of the Mefarshim in our Gemara, in Maharsha, you might, uh, you can take a look. He suggests that the name Yodke Vavke represents the uh, being of God. Haya, Hove, That's the most basic understanding of Yodke Vavke. God was, is, and will be. It doesn't describe his involvement. To be an Adon, to be a master over something, means to be the one who's manipulating, to be the one who's involved in um, the current events, the past events, and the future events. The fact that there were people who understood God's essence as a being, as an entity, who maybe brought forth creation, who maybe was ever-present, well, that existed. Even of the Avodah admitted to that historically. The significance of Avraham is that there's not only a Boreh, but he's a Mamtzi Lechon Nivra. He's the essence and the being, the source of all existence in the present, and the continued source of all existence. That's the Adon that's being referred to. That's the novelty of Abraham Avinu. Now that the Gemara is talking about Abraham Avinu and this Adon, uh, we have one more comment along those lines, and then we'll talk about names in a more general and some specific senses. Amarav. Daniel lo Abraham. Daniel, much later in time, seems to have some sort of correspondence with Hakadosh Baruch Hu by invoking or by bringing forth Abraham. How so? as the pasuk says, Ve'ata Shema Elohenu El Tfilat Abdecha Ve'alta Hanunav Ve'ha'ir Panecha Al Mikdashecha Hashemem Lema'an Adonai. Well, the statement is requesting the aid, the involvement of God, and it's lema'an, in the merit of, and for the purpose of, Amonai. That doesn't sound right. I turn to you and I say, listen, can you please help me out, God? Can you please be involved in my merit, in his merit, in her merit? What's with in your merit, in your merit, lema'an Amonai? Suggest Rav again says Rav Amar Rav Avdaniel no na anayla bishvil Abraham he cites this pasuk ve'atash ma Elohim al tefilat abdechav tahanuna ve'er panecham tashkashamim lema'an Adonai says the Gemara says Rav lema'an chami ba'ele the pasuk should have said lema'an cha Ella why is it that he says lema'an Amonai or at the very least in other words it should be in your merit, uh, I said it as in my merit, his merit. Well, at the very least, if I'm in the middle of talking to you, I say, in your merit, not in third person, the merit of Amonai. El and rather, what Daniel perhaps was alluding to, was uh, was hinting at, is Leman Avraham Shekra Acha Adon. Effectively, what Daniel was saying to Akadosh Baruch Hu is not in your merit, God, who, to whom he's speaking in third person, but rather in the merit of the person who referred to you as Adon, meaning in the merit of Abraham.
We have at the beginning of the Amidah, we start the Amidah with a Pasuk, Amonai Sefatai Tittach Of course, that's the Beracha, which enters us into Magen Abraham. Magen Abraham, Magen Abraham is a reference to Abraham Abinu. We start that whole Beracha with Amonai Sefatai Tittach. There are some who suggest that it's there are some who suggest that that's purposeful as Abraham being the first one to invoke Adon will start the Amidah that way. Furthermore, it's said in the name of Gaon Mivilna. There has been since some aspersions of as to uh, questions as to whether he stated it so or not. It's that at the beginning of the prayer books, even the Kol Yaakov, and certainly the Ashkenazi ones, I think they actually state it daily, there's the Adon Olam. Adon Olam is in the beginning of Shahrit. Shahrit is the Tefillah, the Gemara will tell us later on, which was Nitkan, which was established by Abraham Avinu. There's a lot of a lot of hints, perhaps, from Ancheknes Dagadolai and others to this Adon, to the statement of we're doing this in Abraham's merit. We do at the very beginning of Amidah, we appeal to God. We appeal to God and we refer to him not just as our God, but the God of our forefathers, of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. We're liking that in this moment to what Daniel was doing. It's not so strange that Daniel turns to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and says, Leman Amonai, and he's talking about Abraham. So we do at the very beginning of Amidah, for example, when we refer to God as not only our God, but Elokei Abraham, Elokei Yitzhak, Elokei Yaakov. Continues the Gemara, Ve'amar Biyohanan, now this is an interesting statement because this statement we saw identical in words on Davzayin Amudalif. Over there was Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Yosef. Identical. Over there we elaborated upon it. Let's just read the statement and then we'll quickly remember what we saw. The statement is you don't turn to another person or being and appease them during their time of anger. You wait until it subsides a little and then you make up with them. In the middle of fury and anger, I can't believe you did that. I'm so angry at you. Say, oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Wrong timing. Wait until I calm down a little bit and then be able to appeal to their uh, mercy, as the Pasuk says, and this is the Derasha, the Pasuk, says, let my angry face leave, depart, and then, then I'll be able to settle matters with you and the nation. That's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's words to Moshe after Chaita Egel. But why? I, over there, the Gemara, if you recall, asked, well, when is it that God gets angry? Does God get angry? The question of Bil'am, the moment of anger, and so on and so forth. Why does the Gemara cite it verbatim over here? In the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, what seems to be the case, and uh, several of the later Aharonim uh, 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 point this out, is Rabbi Yochanan perhaps heard this from two of his rabbis, both from Rabbi Yosei and Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, and has no problem stating it in each of their names on separate occasions. And the Gemara, interestingly, poses, uh, uh, portrays them on two sides of the same page, um, an identical statement, a significant one, certainly interpersonally and in our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. Ve'amar Yohanan, Mishum Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, Miyom Sheba'ra HaKadosh Baruch Hu et Ha'olnamo, from the day of creation, similar to the statement of Abraham, the Lokera O Adon, but instead, Lo haya adam shehodal HaKadosh Baruch Hu ad sheba'ata le'ah vehodato. Till le'ah comes and has an absolute praise to God, there was no one who, who appropriately was thankful, not praising, thankful to God. That Hoda'a Ha'pa'am ode et Adonai. Of course, that's a pasuk that describes the name 
Yehuda. Why is she thanking God with Yehuda and not with the first three children? Rashi, citing from the Midrash, really suggests that it goes as follows. Leah was aware that there will be 12 tribes. How was she aware of this? Some sort of divine inspiration. She wasn't, as Maharsha points out in our Gemara, a prophetess. The Gemara in Masechet Megillah and Dafyodalit lists the names traditionally that we have of both female and male prophets, and she's not one of them, but she still had some sort of divine inspiration, even though she wasn't a consistent prophet. She was aware that there would be 12 Shivatim. She understood four wives, four women who were with her husband Yaakov meant each of them should have a portion of three. This is her fourth. She's thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for giving her, so to speak, more than her allotted portion. Uh, that's the statement. There is a certain significance, of course, to the fact that we are known as Yehudim historically. Yehudim, of course, comes from that name Yehuda, which means to say that we as human beings, as a nation of human beings who are connected to that name Yehuda, are supposed to first and foremost be people who are able to be thankful. To be thankful means to admit vulnerability. To be thankful means to realize that I have a certain dependency and as a result of sensitivity to others who can aid me in ways that I can't myself. It means to be able to turn to God in a relationship and to understand I need Him in sustaining me because I couldn't do this on my own. It's the way the Hachamim envisioned the very beginning of man's mandate in this world. Pasuk says, Ve'adam ayin la'avod et ha'adama, the description of there not being rain and in turn no growth. Ve'adam ayin la'avod et ha'adama, and there's no human beings to work the ground. Says Rashi, lahakir betobatan shel geshamim, to recognize the goodness of the rain, to be makir tob, to be modeh al hatob. The idea of having a hoda'ah is part and parcel with our identity as human beings, and certainly as Am Yisrael, brings us full circle at the end of the Torah, at the beginning of Parashat Kitabo, when the farmer would come into the Mikdash with his Bikurim, and he would say, I'm here today to give Hoda'ah with the Mikra Bikurim, with the Arami Ovedavi, says Rashi, You're not a person who scoffs at the goodness that someone has given you. It began with Le'ah, and it must continue with each of us to be able to, not always simple, uh, generally speaking, very difficult to actually turn to another and say, listen, I'm thankful for that. I actually couldn't have done this without you. But that's what it means to be a person who's a Yehudi. That's what it means to be a person who's a descendant of Yehuda in the realist sense. Reuven, says the Gemara, now that we're dealing with names, let's deal with Reuven. Reuven, Torah tells us, Ra'a Adonai Be'onyi. Pasuk says that Leah turns and says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you saw my difficulty, my pain, my torture. Why are we having a derasha about this? Suggest Maharsha, doesn't directly deal with the Ben part of that name. Ra'a, it should say Ben. So of course it's God saw and gave me a, a son, but instead the derasha of the Hachamim is perhaps maybe even unknowingly, unbeknownst to her, Leah was saying more than just, God, you saw in my uh, poverty uh, state of being, uh, impoverished state of being, you furthermore, there's something to be seen in the child. What's that? Amar bilazar, amera Leah, Leah ser, reu ma ben beni, le ben hami. Now again, this has to be, as Mahasha points out, some sort of um, uh, random occurrence in which she has divine inspiration. It's not Nevoah per se, she's not one of the Neviot, but she is now predicting and realizing how her child, in the eyes of the rabbis, will react in ways very different than 
her brother-in-law. Who's her brother-in-law? Of course, Isav. What's the difference between Isav and her son, Reuven de'ilu ben Hami, the son of my father-in-law, meaning my husband's brother, Isav. Afagav even though he knowingly sold his firstborn ship, his bechirute, even though Pasuk explicitly states that Esav knowingly sells his firstborn rights, and so to speak, Le'ah said, look at what it says about him. She, he hates Yaakov for the bechora that was taken from him. And he says, furthermore, furthermore, Later on, after the Beracha is taken from Yitzhak, He's angry not only for that moment of the Beracha, but he says, he held on to me twice, he caught me twice. And the first reference, our understanding, is not only to birth, but the taking the Bechora. So, but Yaakov bought it knowingly from Esav. Esav was well aware. And nonetheless, is that hatred. What about my son, says Look at my child, look how different he is in the eyes of the Hakamin. Even those against the will of Reuven, Reuven never knowingly gave over his Bechora, his, uh, his firstborn ship. After all, the Pasuk says, um, the Pasuk says, uh, his Bechora was given to Bnei Yosef. Not that he gave it, it was given against his will. Nonetheless, Reuven never had that jealousy, never had that zealous and hatred side of him that Yisav did. As the Pasuk attests to in Parashat Vayeshev, when Yosef is going to be killed by his brothers or be dealt with harshly by his brothers, Reuven sets out to save him from their hands. Why would Reuven do so? Doesn't Reuven realize that his father favors him? His younger brother over him, nonetheless, Reuven has this contrast in being, in essence, to Esav. Ruth, why was Ruth, perhaps? And again, each of these names that the Gemara is being Doresh need not mean that at the time of their giving, uh, this is what was going through the parents' mind, or uh, it was, uh, to a certain extent, they're living out a preordained reality that would take away from a full Bechirah of Shit. It alternatively could mean one of two things. Either... We're looking back at the fact and, and saying, look how appropriate that that was their name. Maybe this is what we can read into their name. Alternatively, and this may be a little bit more uh, telling, and you'll have to fit it accordingly. You see, the way it works in terms of freedom of choice for me, you, and anyone else in this world is our parents, knowingly or not, have taken away certain freedom of choice from us by birthing us at a specific time into a specific economic uh, level of household, into a particular community and so forth, deciding our schooling, uh, determining our nourishment in terms of food, all of that was taken away from us. We didn't have full and absolute potential once we were born and brought into this world and raised by our parents. It means that even the name that they gave us, to a certain extent, and names oftentimes is, is, is the role of the parents. That's more representative of of this rearing and raising of children wherein you take away from some of their freedom of choice. Now, that's not a negative thing, per se. Oftentimes, if we don't have, if I know this is true and that's false, I'm very happy. I don't have freedom of choice because, of course, I'm going to take the true thing under many circumstances. So the idea of 
the name, which represents the craftsmanship. God names things in the creation of the world because he's crafting them. So too, as we mentioned these names, we're talking about how, to a certain extent, there is something that is predetermined and destined for the children. Not that it's an absolute, not that they don't have a freedom of choice, but that the parents' context and the responsibility that we have as parents and beings in this world who care for others is to set forth the appropriate environment and groundwork for them. Root, why root? My root, Amar Biohanan Shezacheta, Veazamimena David, Shiriveula Kadosh Baruchu Beshirot, Vetishbahot. Statement here of root is Milashon Riveu, Lirvaya, they say in Israel, uh, when you're. You know, drinking alcohol. Lirvaya, this should be satiating for you. Rivaya, rove, means that he satiated HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Bon appetit, you say, when you eat, lirvaya, when you drink. And the concept here is that she would have a descendant who would satiate Borea Olam with Shirot V'Tishbachot. Of course, that's David in his Tehillim. He sang songs of praise. He composed poems of gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Minalan Deshema Garim. How do you know that names cause something. Again, defined in one of several ways. The, In my opinion, the most convincing one, as I mentioned a moment ago, that the name represents more than just the actual name that you have. Uh, the name represents who you are and the identity you've been given by your parents. How do you know there is such a reality? We have a semech, we have a hint in the pasuk. As the pasuk states, go out and see mifa'alot Adonai, uh, the actions of God, Ashesam Shemot Ba'aretz. Now, the word Shemot, with a Dagesh as it is in this Pasuk in Sefer Tehillim, refers to Shemama. When you put a Dagesh in the Mem, it's taking away the necessity of putting two Mems. Shemama means emptiness. Instead of reading it as Altikre Shemot with a Dagesh, Ela Shemot without a Dagesh. What's the difference? One means emptiness. God created emptiness in this world, difficult to understand and comprehend. Instead, God created names in this world, which again, does come back to what we mentioned earlier, the idea being that names, meaning actions, meaning what's put into motion, does have a cause and effect. We do praise God in the tefillah often about his lechulam shemot yikra. He put the stars in the heavens and he gave names to all of them. Giving names is a godly feature. It's the ability that we have to craft a reality. It's very much what as parents and caregivers we have the responsibility and capability of doing. And, uh, and in turn should be doing it right. It's worse to have a bad culture, an evil and manipulative and uh, uh, hard-dealing uh, um, situation in your home, in your household, in your family, more than Melchemet Gogu Magog. Melchemet Gogu Magog is described in the Navi as this end-of-time war, which is going to be... Uh, colossal catastrophe worldwide going to globally destruct and take away from civilizations and people nonetheless that small household feud which is lingering and which is simmering over the course of your life that could be and usually is worse than that uh, worldwide global uh, catastrophe shine imar how do you derive this mizmor de david first and foremost we have a mizmor at the time that david is running away from his son who's pursuing him. There's our Tarbut Ra'ah, son who's pursuing a father to kill him. All right, but he still didn't prove to me that this is worse than Mohammed Gogu Magod. Gog, Uchtiv Batre, the Pasuk says afterwards, Adonai, Marabusarai, Rabim Kamu Alai. 
The Pasuk describes how David turns to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and says, Look how terrible these sorrows are for me. There are so many which climb upon me, which are rising upon me. All right, that's a terrible description. Alternatively, and in contrast, the Pasuk says in Tehillim, with regards to Mohammed Gog Magog in the eyes of the rabbis, Lamma Rageshu Goyim Ulumim Yehgurik. Why is it that these nations are Rageshu? They're so angry and so overwhelmed by this. And the Yehgurik, they're thinking about nothingness. There's no reference over there of all the sorrows. There's nothing about those difficulties which are climbing upon me. David doesn't express over there, look at the sarot, look at the sorrows, which means to say, although terrible, not diminishing from the terrible hardships that will be experienced in this vision of a, of a war which is going to affect all, to understand on the other end, on the other side, the detriments, the the negative repercussions, the long-lasting consequences of having a tarbut ra'ah, of having a household, of having a family, which is dealing with something which is inept, of something that is backward, with a circumstance which is engendering dysfunction that could be and oftentimes is worse than anything that you could imagine in the physical sense of destruction and catastrophe. And we go back to that pasuk. The pasuk talks about the mizmor, the song of praise that David, so to speak, is singing during the time that he's running away from his son uh, Avshalom. Avshalom is pursuing him to kill him. Says the Gemara, mizmor le David? Why is he singing a mizmor? Why is that a zemirah? Kina le David mi It should be a kina. It should be a eulogy. It should be a... Uh, it should be what we do on uh, Cha'abob, the Kinot. Why is he singing songs of praise, of happiness, of some sort of uh, good-natured uh, tunes? It should be words and tunes of sorrow and so- and, and, uh, and and somberness. Says the Gemara, Amar Bishim'on ben Avishalom, mashal mahadavar domeh. Perhaps we can liken this to the following parable. Le'adam she'yasa alav she'tarhov, kodem she'adam she'yasa alav she'tarhov. A person gets a bill in the mail. The person gets a bill delivered to their door. It's quite a number. Uh, it's, a, it's a debt which they're not certain they're going to be able to pay off. Until they actually pay off the full debt. Uh, sad anxiety. Uh, there's, there's a certain sense of crisis and stress that uh, follows them through their every day and every moment of existence because they don't know how they're going to get past this debt. And the number is only climbing, I'm adding. Once you finally paid off your debt, then there's happiness. Then you have space. You're able to breathe. Afken David, so to David, kevan shamalo ha kadosh baruchi nimekim alecha raami betecha hayasev, me betecha hayasev. Once a kadosh baruchu said to him, I'm going to bring a, a, a badness, evil uh, to you. He's very sad. He doesn't know where's that going to come from. Can be one of my advisors. Maybe it's going to be my guard. Maybe it's going to be like a hashverosh, the big time baterish, people who are, uh, you're unsuspecting. And you don't know how much malice they have in them. Maybe it's a it's a low-standing individual or a slave who doesn't care much about me. And now I'm really nervous because I don't know what to do in this circumstance. I won't know. I feel very vulnerable. Once he realized and understood it's his son, Samach. There was a certain um, uh, ability to breathe. But wait a second, Avshalom was still running after him. Avshalom was still pursuing him for death. 
That's right. But ultimately speaking, it's his son, and he understands the same way a person who pays their bills, who's done with the debt, is uh, has a certain relief. So David has a certain relief once he understands it's Av Shalom, once he understands it's not a circumstance which is insurmountable. Amishum Hachet, for that reason, Amar more. he sings. It's the ability to see the silver lining even when it's all dark. So it's darkness, but there is a silver lining. At least it's my son. At least it's a circumstance that is not um, insurmountable. So continues the Gemara just a bit more. Ve'amar Yohanan Mishum Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai it's permitted to fight with, to battle and combat those who are wicked in this world. Rasha, Pasuk says, those who are who uh, leave Torah, Yahalelu Rasha Vishomere Torah Yitgarubam. Those who says the Pasuk in Mishle, who are Shomere Torah should be Mitgarebam. Mitgare means to fight, means to battle, means to engage in combat. Combat, oh, that's an important statement. The statement is, if there is evil in your midst, and not only is it okay, it's maybe even praiseworthy to look to vanquish it. Tanyana mehachen, did we have a beraita which accords with this statement? Rabbi Dusta'e, Rabbi Maton Omer, Mutalit Karot Bareshaim Ba'olam Hazeh. It's permitted to fight and combat the wicked ones in this world. Okay, says the Gemara onward, or says this Beraita onward, Maybe someone will whisper to you and say, Psst, I'm not sure that's true. Who said that you can actually fight against the wicked ones? Doesn't the Pasuk alternatively say in Tehillim, You shouldn't be involved. Don't instigate those who are doing wrong and those who are involved in iniquities. You should say to them, You know, I know why you're whispering that to me? Because your heart is pounding because you're nervous, because you're uncertain about yourself. That's why you're trying to tell me otherwise. Uh, how so? Ela, so rather, what does that pasuk? This is the true interpretation of that pasuk. When the pasuk refers to don't get involved, don't instigate, it's a reference to taking their side, to getting too involved with them with regards to their actions, not to actually being an instigator to suppress it, to do away with it. Ve'omer. And furthermore, the Pasuk says, Al yikane libbecha bahataim ki imbirat adonai kol hayom. So the Pasuk furthermore says, you should not have any uh, jealousy of those who are sinners. Rather be involved uh, in looking against it. When yirat Hashem says, is it really so? Are you allowed to? Are you supposed to be looking to vanquish the evildoers, to combat them, to fight against them? Didn't it be Yitzhak say, if you see a wicked person, What does it mean that time is playing for him? That's one word that we use in English very often these days, and that's momentum. If you see an individual, even a wicked person, even a person that you know objectively somehow is a person who's not doing right, but the Sha'a's Misahek, they have momentum in their favor. Don't get involved. Oh, wait a second. I thought you told me just a moment ago, several pisukim, go against them. If they're a wicked person, person who's doing wrong, go against Shene Emar. What's the pasuk which is cited to support? Don't involve yourself uh, in that rasha. Yahilu derachav bechol et marom mishpatecha minegdo kol soreravya fiach bahem. 
as it describes them being elevated above all else, they're even able to be yafiach, to be blowing away those who are trying to do wrong. This is a rasha, this is a person who's doing wrong. I'm confused. Which one is it? Are we supposed to be, are we allowed to and supposed to be looking to do away with the rashaim? Or instead, should we distance ourselves from them? Sounds like the kind of sort of thing. When God is angry for that split second, it's the same thing. So in other words, there's, there's the potential for something that something. seemingly doesn't fit. Okay, but that's the point. So you want to say the specific time, which is basically what the Gemara initially answers. says, Gemara, there's no question. How so? Uh, excuse me, too far ahead. First says the Gemara, your answer is coming up. First says the Gemara, is a difference between what you're fighting against them for. Are you fighting against them for yourself? Uh, you want to raise yourself, you want to ra- make more ra- money, so that's why you're trying to put down the uh, rasha. Such a circumstance, you're going to lose. If alternatively you're doing a l'shem shamayim for shemaya in order to help the community, in order to help that individual or others, okay, that's where you're going to be successful. Alternatively, even on even on matters of uh, sanctity and spirituality, you sometimes shouldn't be involved with fighting against the rasha. And nonetheless, there's no contradiction. There's a difference between whether or not. Does he have the momentum or not? That's what you were referring to. In other words, if he has the momentum, stay away. That's like that, as you said, that moment in the day, that split second in the day where HaKadosh Baruch Hu has that, uh, has that anger, so to speak. So, so to over here, he's got something running for him. It's, so to speak, that split second, stay away from him. Any other time, you should be involved in getting rid of it. Third answer, even on Rishayim, sometimes it's appropriate to engage in combat and look to fight against the house. There's a difference between whether you person who's looking to fight against it, or tzadik gamor, or tzadik she'eno gamor. If you're tzadik she'eno gamor, you're not going to be successful. They have sha'am sa'heket lo. They have moments of momentum. They have, they're striding forward, and you're going to combat it, but you're not complete yourself. Stay away. You're tzadik gamor. Then you should be, and it's appropriate and rightful for you to be involved in looking to get rid of him or them. tahrish. As the Pasuk says uh, here that he cites from Sefer Habakuk, it says, Lama tabit bochedim taharish bebala rasha tzadik mimenu. The Pasuk says, as the rasha, as the wicked one, swallows the tzadik mimenu. Is it really so? Does a rasha, a wicked one, swallow the righteous one? The Hakitiv, Adonai lo yazvenu beyado. Don't the Pesukim say that righteous ones have a certain protection from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Rather read the Pasuk carefully. The Pasuk says uh, the Rasha is able to swallow the righteous one from them. Righteous one from them. It means they're on the same platform. This one's higher than him. As, as, as opposed to, in contrast to, someone who's on an altogether different platform, that's the Sadiq Amur. So this is our next answer in the Gemara. The suggestion is, even when Hasha'am is Sahaykid, even as the Rasha has that momentum, Nonetheless, a Sadiq Gamur can and should be combating Sadiq Sheinol Gamur Natsal Vi'ibaitema says the Gemara. And lastly, I'll suggest, and there's a lot of confusion about this, which means 
tread lightly as you involve yourself in vanquishing Reshaim. Be careful. Make certain the context and the circumstances and the approaches appropriate and right. Says the Gemara, alternatively, perhaps it's the momentum which is the all in this circumstance. Again, back to the similarities to the last Amud, and that is even for a Sadiq Gamur, even for a person who's on an altogether different platform, who's not involved in any Resha, who isn't a part of this mix that the Rasha has involved himself in, if it's a moment of Sha'amisaheket law, you really should keep your distance. This last answer makes it the most nerve-wracking with regards to hesitance, with regards to not getting fully involved, or stay a certain distance, unless it's the right situation, it's the proper timing. Effectively, what have we learned in the Gemara today? We talked about the names. We began that because we were talking about Abraham Avinu. We talked about the nature of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as an Adon, not just as Some people even today will understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yeah, sure, he's present, but he's not really involved in my life. He doesn't really change things. That's the Adon. That's why we appeal to Abraham. That's what we're supposed to think about in Shahri to a certain extent. I can and should be appealing to HaKadosh Baruch Hu because he has the capability, ability, and constant involvement to say to him and, and 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 request of him, get involved in my life and in others, because that's who you are. That's that Adon nature. We, of course, talked about several other names, the Yehuda, the Reuven, Rut, and the concept in general of Shema Garim, that the name has an effect on the being, and we discussed the nature of that. We talked furthermore about this Mizmor of David as he's uh, fleeing from Avshalom. Why would he be doing a Mizmor in that circumstance? What is the danger of being involved with a Tarbut Ra'abetoch Beto, the destructive nature of having issues in the household and the family? We uh, lastly then talked about among other things, this, uh, this, this issue of getting involved in uh, bettering the world by vanquishing evil, not just by spreading goodness, but by vanquishing evil, but at the same time realizing this is no easy endeavor. This is a matter which takes a lot of foresight and sensitivity to making certain that as you do so, it's the appropriate context, time, and, and uh, direction within which you enter into that looking to combat all evil or any evil. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen.